Yes, it is that time for Monday's experts here on Sky Sports Radio and have been, as I've always said, to start this segment. I absolutely love it because it's an opportunity for us to find out a little bit about the story behind the name. Our guest this week, well, he's a trainer in the south of New South Wales. He's very active on the social media and the Twitter. He's got a lot of fans and followers, and he's also had a very good season last season. He's looking to continue that on this particular season and hopefully get back to a Kosciuszko. His name is Mitch Beer, and he joins me on the phone. G'day, Mitch. Morning, Dave. Really good that you could join me, mate, on Monday's Experts. I, I contacted you late last week and over the weekend, and you've been doing plenty of kilometres around New South Wales. Do you like... Do you, do you like the fact that we're going to be talking about you for the next half an hour, or do you get a bit shy and nervous? No, um, probably one of my only assets is uh, is not getting uh, not getting shy or nervous. But um, <laughs> no, it's good. I think um, you know it's, it's a great segment. This that you know I've listened to it regularly and and getting a bit of a backstory and and um, you know it's easy to look at at names and. And people in in the form guide, but there's there's always a story, and, and everyone's got a different one of, of how they got to you know what they're doing now. Let's start on that journey. So your father was a very successful jockey, Les Beer, uh, and thirty years he um, he rode for. I was doing a bit of reading about you on the weekend. I mean, what was it like growing up with pretty much racing in your blood already? At the time, I didn't think it was so great. Um, you know, Dad did did plenty of kilometres, and you know, uh, us three kids grew up in in the back seat of the car. You know, going to the races and um, in all parts of Victoria. But you know, you look back on it now, and 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 I still still see people at the races that regularly that you know we 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 muck around and, and try and scab five bucks off at uh, at the races when we were kids and. <laughs> Uh, it, it's terrific, you know, and, and, and you, you get older and, and realise how hard uh, Dad worked um, to supply, you know, and keep the family going. He, he wasn't a, a big name jockey; he had to do the miles, and and uh, and he, his weight wasn't great, and, and, and he had to do it very tough to, to provide. He, he left school when he was fourteen; he didn't know how to do anything else, and through you know many falls and lots of injuries and. Um, he pushed very, very hard to, to give us the opportunity to do what we wanted to do in life. And, and it's, it's not till you get older and, and, and really get in the thick of this industry to, that you, you respect and, and are thankful for, for what a massive job he did. So uh, you're travelling around with the old man. You're growing up at that period, and there's obviously a lot of things happening in your life um, at that age. We're learning about everything. We're sort of learning what we do like, what we don't like. Fast forward to you're 16 and you do decide to go down the, the path of horse racing and you work with Lloyd Williams. Yeah, I, I sort of got there in a in a funny sort of way. I I always loved racing and, and, and loved everything about it, breeding. and But I never really, I never rode and I probably never really had that real connection with the horse. I, I probably loved the industry more than, than the horse. And I actually left school to play golf. I... I I uh, started my first year golf apprenticeship when I was 16 and um, much to the old man's um, disappointment, he picked me up from um, from the pro shop one day and I said, oh, I don't know about this. I think I want to get a job at the stables. And I don't think he spoke from from, from that point on until we got home. He was, he was uh, heartbroken. But incredibly enough, Dad teed me up with a job at, uh, at, at 
Williams uh, stable then at Flemington, and um, just, you know, I, just I, I to really, chime in. Yeah, you're right. Just to chime in. Sorry, sorry, Mitch. Why why was he heartbroken? Do you think that did did he, did he not want you to be a part of the racing game? I think he, you know, he he, he knew he he knew how hard it was, and and you know, I was going all right at the golf at the time, and um, I was pretty dedicated to it, and and things were going along really well, but um, yeah, racing just has sort of sucked sucked me back as as it sort of does to yeah. everyone that when you're young, you, you sort of have that bug, and it was good to go out and and give something else a bit of a go, but uh, deep down, I probably knew where where my heart lied, and. And, um, you know, fortunately enough, Dad got me a job at, at, at Lloyd's. And, you know, I still believe to this day, if I hadn't have started with with someone like Lloyd Williams, then I probably would have been lost to the industry. You know, it, it was an incredible um, start and, and I was treated, you know, unbelievably. I was, I was, you know, given opportunities to further my education with, with horse racing and... and um, yeah, it was a, it was a, a massive start to, to to the game. So you start with Lloyd, uh, and you, you work your way up, obviously, and then you become what stable foreman for Russell Cameron. Yeah, um, Lloyd decided to move um, his uh, whole operation up to Maston Lodge, and being still a young kid at the time, that certainly didn't suit me. Uh, Melbourne was uh, a place I love living, so um, Russell actually took over uh, part of Lloyd's stable and. Um, I, I became foreman for him, and um, again, it was probably a, 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 a more of an act of fate than luck. Um, Russell and I uh, became incredibly close, and um, you know, he was almost like a, a sort of second dad working for Russell. He, he was very full on. You probably had dinner with him three or four nights a week, and spent most of the days with him. But um, probably from that point, it, it, working with Russell really inspired me to, to be a trainer. All right. So, so we're with Russell. Then what about the move to Mornington? How did that all happen? Uh, yeah, I, I, I got a phone call one day from, from Jason Warren and um, asked me what I was doing and what I would have be interested in, in moving down to Mornington and becoming his assistant trainer. And, um, you know, it was it, I was looking for that next sort of step. Um, Russell's uh, son, uh, Scott, was sort of always going to take over the reins there. So um, I needed to, to look at what I was going to do next and um, went down and met with Jace and, and um, was there, you know, a matter of weeks later. And um, I thought, you know, I don't know how I'd go living in Mornington. Uh, being a city kid, I used to get the tram to work of an afternoon. And, <laughs> and then I, I thought Mornington was the bush when I moved down there. But um, uh, it was great. Jason and, and his family um, became very close with and um, it, it ended up like working for uh, uh, one of your mates, uh, not your boss. And, and, and Jason and I, um, yeah, were together for probably uh, four or five years. You then spent, uh, obviously, uh, you, and during that time too, from reading about you, um, obviously, uh, and I remembered this, it's funny how you forget things in our game, but that uh, Bill Sprinter, who you had association with, which was in your stables, um, there with you and Jace, obviously going to Singapore, etc. So there were some wonderful times. Um, you then went to, obviously, uh, in partnership with Max Hinton, but tell us about the moment where you thought, right, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave Mornington and I'm going to set up shop in Albury. What, what was it that make you, made you make that decision? Yeah, I'd, I'd been training for, uh, I guess, 18 months to two years, and... and um 
you know, uh, Mornington was becoming a very, was already a very competitive place. And I, I sort of looked at the, the closure of Caulfield and, and all those trainers, you know, they, they were going to relocate uh, as close as possible, which would be places like Mornington, Cranbourne, uh, Pakenham, all within sort of 45 minutes of where I was training. So uh, I thought the big are going to start getting bigger and, and it's going to put more pressure on, on me to try and, you know, get a foot in and, very expensive place, the Mornington Peninsula. I was renting a house, renting stables. And, you know, I really sat down and looked at it and thought, well, I'm probably going to be in this position for, for quite a long time. And I was just looking every week, you know, you watch a highway, you, you watch, a, you know, country championships and things like that. And I didn't see those opportunities for me in, in Victoria. And um, I thought, bugger it. And, and, Sent an email out to the owners one day. I thought well, I'll probably lose half the stable here and really have to start again. I had 21 horses in work at the at that time, and 20 of them got on a, a truck the next month and made the move with me to Mornington. Uh, to Albury, sorry. To, to Albury. Well, was it a case too of that? Because uh, I've spoken to you before about uh, you know the, the move there, and you often mention about you know you could we could have stayed at Mornington and you know. Not struggled through life, but you know, in in terms of you know laying some foundations and and getting a quid um, for for your future, um, you know, you could, it wouldn't have been as prosperous as it has been in Albury. No, definitely, and I think you know I I had such a different mindset when I was training in, in Mornington. Like I, I really I woke up every morning and um, you know I wanted to have group horses and be the next Chris Waller, and and you know it was probably a lot of my own fault as well by putting a, a ridiculous amount of pressure on myself. And to be honest, I, I was probably close to, to, to chucking it in. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't happy and I was in a pretty average place and I was working my ass off and sort of just just chipping away. And, and I, I sort of looked at Aubrey as that fork in the road and I thought, well, I can go there and give it a crack. And at least if I go there and it, and it doesn't work out the way I wanted, I'll I've tried, I've given it everything, and um, and it, I've just never looked back. I, I think I, my mindset changed a lot when I came here. There wasn't that pressure to have you know city winners and and buy expensive horses and put yourself in a lot of debt, and um, it just completely changed the way um, I went about things. And and you know it was an amazing thing that happened. It's changed me as a person by, by moving to the country and. Um, and the way I, I live my, my life outside of racing as well and the monetary side of things for the, for the opportunity for, for the stable and the owners is just enormous now that we're based in country New South Wales. Mm. What have you found uh, in terms of you know training these horses where, as you said, you don't have uh, you know group one bloodlines rolling into the um, into the stable every day, but that doesn't mean they can't gallop. And you've you've proven that time and time again, where you've brought horses that are quite cheaply bought to to win a highway and get good money. So have you found that your idea of training has changed? Yeah, most definitely. You know, we, we look for different types of horses now, and and we do things uh, quite differently. I think you know you. You, you train according to the facilities that you have and, and what you have around you. And, you know, we, we certainly don't have the, the best uh, training tracks in Australia and, and, and the best facilities, but, you know, we, we, we make, make the best opportunities of, of what we do have. And um, I also feel 
that the clubs are, are a lot more accommodating as well. You know, when you're when you're dealing with smaller clubs and racetracks, they 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 want you to succeed. They they don't have to deal with the huge numbers as well. So you know, all the little clubs around here, if you contact them to 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 get on for a gallop, and they're more than obliging, and and they want to see you succeed as as a local, and and that you know is a massive part as well. You know, the Aubrey Racing Club and myself were as important to each other um, and, and we, you know, we work alongside each other to, to try and get the, the best results. So when you've got a, these smaller clubs getting around you and supporting you um, with access to grass gallops and, and, and different facilities, it's a massive plus. You often talk about, uh, you know, the, the fact that you jump online and you buy these horses via online sales and you might have a few vinos and you're enjoying yourself. I mean, what, what are you looking for? When you're uh, when you're buying one of these online purchases, or, or in fact, if you're at the sales and you're buying a horse, what's what what are you the number one things? I think for where we are, um, horses that are, aren't too highly rated, um, you know, we need we need to have good eggs. There's no point me buying a horse that's won five or six races and is rated enormous uh, if it's running midfield on uh, in in Saturday races. There's no point me bringing it to Aubrey and then driving it back to Sydney or Melbourne every fortnight. You know, we, we try and look for these horses that are owned by an ownership group that it doesn't fit their mould. Um, and, and we're seeing that with a, a lot of the, the, the bigger stables and the bigger owners are selling real quality, you know, Yulong, China Horse Club, Newgate, um, Aquas. They're, they're selling terrific horses uh, with no issues, uh, no problems. They just don't fit their criteria uh, and, and, and their uh, demographic of horses that they want. And um, you know, we, we see time after time. Um, it's great for their business uh, model as well for for those horses to be sold and and do well. So those lightly tried, you know, three four year old maidens or those horses that have just won one race. Um, you know, a horse like Power Me Up is a great example. He was a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar year long yearling. He had a couple of starts for for year long and uh, didn't fit their mould. We purchased him online for. 20 grand and in 12 months he's he's gone from maiden to country cup and and, and won five races in one season yeah it, it's it, it's extraordinary isn't it um you know it, when you look at these uh, options available and you're finding that you're getting i mean obviously you've got clients all over the country but are you finding too that you're getting um you know people from the local community involved as well most definitely i think you know, there's a lot of people out there that, that love to chase that golden slipper, derby, cox plate dream. And, and, and you know, we should all do it. We all love love to live racing is a dream. But there's a lot of people out there that are, would much prefer to buy a 20 or 30 grand share, you know, of a tried horse and, and get out there, try and win some races, try and have some fun. And, and uh, they can allocate their couple of hundred dollars uh, a, a month away, and and um, and that's their enjoyment. And and I think our demographic of owners are, you know, mums and dads, and football clubs and netball clubs, and uh, a lot, a lot of local people that that are enjoying, you know, seeing their racing. And and you know, in, instead of us having to go and buy a three or four hundred thousand dollar yearling and try and win a, a black type race with it, you know, we can go and buy a twenty or to forty thousand dollar tried horse and. Try and win a highway with it. That that they're our group races. They're our 
grand finals and and it's a hell of a lot of fun to to go along that journey as well yeah it's exciting um we've spoken before about uh you know horses that get you up of a morning to to go and you know do the job you've got to do and you've got a good team and and that, that team's winning but one in particular um obviously sunrise ruby very exciting three-year-old isn't she yeah, she she's a really nice filly, a filly that you know, we, we've always had a good opinion of, and and you know probably for me personally, it's even even more rewarding because you know she won her first start as a two year old, then went and missed at her second start and spent five months in the paddock, and you know as a trainer, especially a country trainer, you don't have horses like her enter the stable very often, and you know those five months it was a bit. You know, nerve-wracking to think that she might be a missed opportunity, you know, for the stable and for her owners that she's, you know, a filly with a stack of potential that we might never get to see. So to be able to nurse her back through and get her back up and, you know, bring her back this preparation and win three from three uh, and a, a last one at Ramwick is, is terrific. And who knows what the future holds for her. She's as good a horse as, as I've ever had. So I'm um, just so excited to see what, what sort of journey she can take us on. When you say she's the most exciting horse you've ever had, what what's it about her that makes her exciting, mate? Just the ease of, of what she does. Think she just everything that she does, she does it with such ease. And uh, I just the, the the sky it's sky high with her. I mean, to to win four from five, and and you know her only one she did go and miss. Uh, her, her track work is just you never have to ask her for an effort. She's always got another gear. Uh, she just seems to to have so much in the tank every time we we do something with her, and and then to take her to the races there a fortnight ago, and and, and have someone like Bossy um, get off her, and 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 you know that night he he just really really had such confidence in the horse, and uh, you know he, Bossy actually won a Group Three for me, um, uh, the Typhoon Tracy Stakes at, at Mooney Valley on a, on a pretty nice three year old filly, and. Um, it just was amazing for for him to 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 do it all again, and um, you know give give her a really good rap. And and when someone like hers as equally as excited as what you are, will you know it makes you bounce out of bed of a morning. Yeah, mate. How many have you got in work in Albury? Uh, so we've got forty five uh, in work uh, at the moment. Um, we've broken uh, nearly twenty yearlings this year, so it's very exciting. The tried horses is a big, big part of our business, but to have, you know, a huge amount of uh, of young stock coming through the ranks is yeah. is, is equally uh, as exciting, and, and and also to to be training for some of the people that that we are training for now. You know, the people that have supported supported us from day one, but you know, we've just had some horses come down for for tri colours, and and um, uh, Henry Field from Newgate's been. And Matthew Stambon been lovely enough to send us a filly, and and you just see the wheels sort of start to turn with the the types of horses that we're getting in here, and the opportunities that that we're getting from you know some of Australia's best uh, breeders and and syndicators, uh, Clanbrook Syndications have sent us horses from day one. So, you know, I think a lot of people thought I was pretty mad when I moved to, from Mornington to Albury, and about the, the, the type of uh, clients and, and horses that we're going to attract here. But I just think it's it's great, not only for, for me, but 
for any any young person out there that um, you know thinking about going to the bush or kicking off in the bush. Um, it's not always about. It used to just everything used to be so focused around, you know, that urge to get to town and the, the ment- mentality of training in the city. And um, that 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 mold is changing. And, and you can train from the country and, and run a successful business and and train the types of horses that you want to train. And I think by me doing it and, and being satisfied, I hope that there's some kids out there that are, you know, working in in stables in the city and 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 are. Uh, thinking about going out to the bush and having a go, and you know, I bloody hope that they do. That's very well said, and and very very key to to where I'm going to go. I mean, you're you're a young bloke in the game. Um, if you were running the show, what what would you change? I think I think it's hard to change much in country New South Wales at the moment. I mean, um, prize money's great. Um, uh, I think uh, well, certainly down here, our, our training hours are uh, absolutely terrific. Uh, I think staffing is, is the biggest issue that, that we, the whole industry faces uh, over the next few years. Um, and I think that, you know, industry bodies getting involved in, in, in that staffing issue is something that needs to come to the forefront. Um, but I, know, I, I think I think in this industry, we're always looking at what 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 uh, can improve and what can get better and what, how we should be doing things. But i tell you what, there's not much to complain about in, uh, in New South Wales at the moment. No, there's not. Uh, your colours, I love this too because, uh, look, some people out there will be, you know, listening to this in lockdown and they'll be having a flutter on your horses and your colours are black with the red uh, lightning bolt. And, of course, that's because you're a mad David Bowie fan. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um uh, one thing that uh, I don't reveal too much is that uh, I've actually got got a horrendous David Bowie tattoo. Uh, on, Have you? On my, yeah, which is well hidden. Thank God. Thank God we were only uh, nineteen once. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll show it on the colours and not on my arm because it's an uh, absolute shocker. But. Um, uh, yeah. I'm, what's I'm it a, about? What What's it about Bowie? Because I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not going to throw. Well, I'll, I'll half throw Marla under the bus here, but I love music and grew up with music and grew up. You know, when the obviously we I remember when we had internet put on at home. Uh, you know the the fact that you could just find music and and all different home computer. Um, oh, that's exactly right. And you'd be you know you'd be listening to to songs on television shows and there was no such thing as Shazam so you couldn't just press a button and hear what it was you had to sort of go searching for it so where did the love of Bowie come from and love of music? I don't know it's certainly not a family thing but um, uh, I just I loved Bowie since I was a teenager I think the whole uh, you know persona changing the different characters you know the the whole storyline behind it is is uh, is incredible and and yeah, always been a muso, and um, I think that the colours probably are quite important to me as they give me a good reminder that that there's other things that I enjoy apart from racing, and I think it's it's so easily consumed by it all. Um, but it's good to have you know other passions and other things that are incorporated into your life. Music's a, a massive part of mine, and and for that to sort of be brought across into the colours and to see on our logo and all the stuff, you know, beanies and jackets and things like that. It's, it, um, yeah, good. Brightens up the morning.
That is good, mate. That's very well said. What's your favourite David Bowie song? Oh, you can't put me on the spot like that, mate. But uh, oh, I'm a big rebel, rebel man. <laughs> New Age rebel, Age rebel, Age. yes. Depends, depends on how much time have we got here. I know. Have you ever? Did you ever get to see him live? No, no. Um, well before my my time, but um, yeah, he. Uh, it's good to sort of, I guess, now that he's gone, sort of ca- carry on a, a, a bit of legacy, but. Um, I always said I'd, I'd rather. I think I'd rather see David Bowie live than, than train a Group One winner, and that's not an option now. So I better pull my socks up out on the racetrack, mate. I'll never forget in two thousand and four. Um, I uh, he, he that was his last time he was here in two thousand and four, and he played that um, reality tour. And of course, you can you know you, you, it's one of the one of the biggest regrets I've got. I wouldn't been able to go. I was too young. But out of all the, the people that I've seen, I've seen a lot. I reckon he'd be yeah number one that I've missed going to see. Mate, pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you're very, as I said, active on the social media. One thing I like about you, Mitch, is you're very keen to take the pee out of yourself and others. And I think that in a time like this when there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that's pretty crazy and people can be stressing up tight, it is nice to switch all that off for a while, have a laugh, and I think you hit the nail on the head beautifully with what you said before about the colours that, you know, yes, racing is life for you, but you do have other things away from it that certainly make you smile. And, mate, thanks for coming on and sharing some of your story. And good luck this season down there in the south, mate. And hopefully it's another good one for you. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it.